Welcome, y'all. This is Tammy, host of Grits with a Side of Murder, and I have to tell you about an amazing new sponsor we have. Help you find me. In an emergency, you know every second that ticks by can be an eternity. If someone you love goes missing, it's extremely important to track their recent activity for signs of where they might be. HelpYouFindMe.com is a tech startup focused on personal safety and security. They use decades-old methods with modern industry-grade technology to securely and easily share your important information with loved ones. All your private data is end-to-end encrypted, meaning only you and your intended recipient or recipients can access the data. Not even Help You Find Me can access it. You choose who to share your private data with and the rules by which they can access it. Each person you share with can have a different set of rules. For example, your spouse may have immediate access to your private data where your cousin may have to wait for 48 hours. Each person you share your unique information with is encrypted especially for them. Rest easy knowing that the right people have access to the right data when it's needed most. This is so amazing and it they have plans starting at only $19 a year. Yes, I said a year. Y'all need to go check out their website. Use the promo code GRITS for 10% off your first order. Or if you want a free trial, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes that you can click to have a free trial. You know, I'm, I'm a little paranoid sometimes with this true crime in my head all the time. And I certainly don't want to go missing and not have a way for people to find me. So please check out helpyoufindme.com, 10% off your first order with the promo code GRITS, or click the link in the show notes and you can get a free trial. Y'all stay safe. We love y'all. South of Baton Rouge, along the Eight Meat River, near the old Phillips farm, there's no brick and mortar, just a boiling cauldron of human disorder. Tammy's Cafe, served up grits inside of murder. Slings and bloodshed, cartilage and murder. Homicidal leanings, the meanings all work. So lean back and listen as the stories unfold. Special today's grits with a side of murder. Talking serial killers or a jealous rage. The centuries of evil, it's on every page. She let all out, so keep your wits. It's only grits with a side of murder.
Welcome, y'all. Hey, Stomp. Hello, Tammy. How you doing, boo? Baby. <laughs> if you was doing any baby be twins, that's well, what I say. <laughs> I'm about to pull my hair out. Oh, but, my gosh. But life is good. Ida has wrecked another life. <laughs> hey, Miss Ida. Ida May got all the roofs messed up for you, oh, huh? Oh, dang. Why don't you go ahead and give you a, or do you even want to at Since, this point? <laughs> yeah. No, I always do, but it, it yeah, is. Give that it, roofclaim.com promo. I don't want to say it's overwhelming because I'm not complaining. Yeah. But it is, it's a catastrophe. It's, you know, it is. It's, it's and sad, every, but true. Everybody wants it right now. Yeah. And I know because my roof is in that situation. Everybody thinks they're the only customer that you have. But I have faith in you. You're a great guy. And, You're patient. And so many people are understanding. I'm going to just say. It's like, I know my roof is not that bad. So when you can get to me, you can get to me. That's awesome. But it's, you know, and I want to get to everybody yes. in a timely manner. If you give me your name on Tuesday and yada, yada, I, I want to put it in numerical order. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody's roof is important. Yes, I I agree. So... I appreciate um, what you're doing for the community. Really? I'm not. I'm doing it. Fuck, I'm not being sarcastic, I know, bro. I know, but I'm doing it for me. But, I mean, it's your job, yeah, but you're doing it, and you have a heart about doing it. You're not just like, fuck you all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're Well, uh, yeah, I am community-minded, and yes. I think I am. Anyway. You were born I'm, and raised here. Yes, yeah, you are. And yeah. that I love helping. I love that. I do love that part. And that's why I think I belong in the public. Well, just remember, at the end, when it's all said and done, every one of those people are going to be so freaking happy that you handled their roof for them. So far, so good. I'm quite good. happy about that. So just in case you don't have enough customers, go on ahead and give that. And I'm going to say one, one other thing. Okay, tell just, me. Just before, before I advertise my business, I just want to say the roofs that I've done prior to Ida. Yes. I have gotten multiple, more than 10, more than 20 phone calls saying, Stump, I just want to let you know my roof is in good shape. Awesome. I don't have no damage. So y'all did a great job. Awesome. And that was the ultimate compliment. Good. So with that being said. How are we going to get in touch with you if we need a roof? Stump Marshall. That's right, baby. He has a name, but nobody knows it. James is just a, you, you, a that's just segment. your that's just your Christian name. A, that's just exactly. your Christian name. That ain't your real name. It's Stump. So anyway, I work for a company called RoofClaim.com. Go Google us. We're in thirteen states. We're one of the largest roofing companies in the country. Um, the owner of our company knows this job. Front and back. That's awesome. He has done a great job with it. And if you listen to him, you'll do good at taking care of your customers. Um, Roofclaim.com. If they want to reach Stump directly, 225. That's a must. Yes, 225-348-1222. Just just call me, and I promise you, I will put you on my schedule. If you can't get through, leave a message. Do you have voicemail? Please leave up? a voicemail. Yeah. My, my roofflame.com voicemail is set up. 
just please leave a voicemail or text me. Oh, text on the same number? Text is probably better. Okay, yeah, it's, awesome. It's, it's, it's a cell line. Okay. Um, text is better, really, because then I'll never lose it. Or leave me a voicemail, vice versa, either one. But Sounds good, bro. For all your shingle roofing jobs, I can help you. Not metal. Not your metal roofs. I know. Yeah, I have a metal roof. I am That's so butthurt. I am so butthurt right he, he now. He was talking to me before the podcast, and he's like, I just feel so helpless that I can't help you. And I said, I feel helpless, too. It's okay. We're going to get a roof one day. And we get to do some remodeling of floors and wall colors and drywall and insulation at least we have an awesome podcasting room and listen i know she said early in my podcasting days that i got a radio face but i i can see into the future we'll be on video soon we need to be we need to do some live shows here locally i, I so want oh to. as a matter of fact you know what i was thinking uh my friend Zydeco Mike, who has done a podcast with me and music for the pod, has now a party barge, and I was thinking we could do a meet and greet oh on there, Stomp, and I think that you would probably love to come on there and be part of the meet and greet. If I can get on his boat, I would love to. Any way I can get on his boat. <laughs> you might have to pay. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Y'all, wait, wait till this comes out, and all of you local listeners... In the Ascension, Livingston, Baton Rouge, yeah, St. James area. Wait till y'all see this party boat. barge on the Amy. Oh my God, he's got like a twenty seat bar. Yeah, has a uh, disco lights. Oh my God. Look, it's this, amazing. The speakers on the sound system rocked my drink off the bar twice. Okay, I'm going to just tell this little story. Okay, tell me a little story. Uh, y'all neighbors, Ted and Lana, yes. they don't mind me saying. Okay. But y'all next door neighbors, Ted and Lana, who is how I met y'all. That's right. I was at their house the other night. That's right. And they said, oh, Harold and Tammy's on uh, Zydeco Mike's new party barge. I said, oh, okay, cool. So I hear this music. Coming from Fred's. I said, I don't think that's Fred's. It was a Thursday night. And they didn't have a band. Correct. So it gets down about halfway down the river. And I still hear it. I said, and, they, and Ted Lana said, oh, that's coming from. The neighbor's house. Another neighbor. The neighbor's house. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm not going to say her because I don't really know her. Well, I, don't, I want I, to, I but I don't. But I didn't ask her if I could say her. So. Right, right, right. I want to, but I don't. Okay. So anyway, so then I see lights coming, and I see the party barge for the yeah. first time ever. What did I text you in bold print? I am so fucking jealous. I was so and fucking And I said, jealous. I love you, and you said, I love you more. <laughs> it was really cool. We got to go on the maiden voyage. It was awesome. So I felt really privileged to be included in that because the majority of the people on the boat were their family, and uh, they let us go, and, and I'm... So excited. And just FYI, Zydeco Mike is a great. Yeah. When I say great, I, I don't think I. Can we put that in quotes? No, because he really is great. He is a great person. Musician. Well, I'm going to go with Zydeco player. Oh, God. And, and he can sing, too. Yes. 
He he's unbelievable. Him and Chris LeBlanc go so good together. It ain't funny. But and I hate that, to, I hate to advertise for them, but no, no, I that's think they deserve totally it. fine. I've advertised for them before, and I'll tell you this. Um, Mike is just a really cool, down to earth guy. He's a great dude. You know, it'd be he like sitting here dude. talking to me and you. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. All right, so we got your stuff out the way. I want to talk about a couple things on my side. We have a new Patreon member. Her name is Amy. She's in Alabama. Hey, Amy. Hey, Amy. We are so happy that you're with us, and thank you so much for sponsoring Grits with a Side of Murder. That's what I call my Patreon members. Hey, if you can't do it, I understand, but if you can, it helps us out. It helps pay the bills. You know, improve equip equipment. She's got bills, y'all. Believe me, and I'm not paying them. <laughs> I show it. I might I have to eventually. Paying, I, I show ain't paying stuff to be a co-host. I think. I think. What? I think we're gonna finally. We're gonna figure something out. We're gonna become a sponsor. We we gonna get a sponsor? No, we're gonna become a sponsor of someone. No. Grits. Oh, well. Oh, that would be if, awesome. if we was on video, what I just did, y'all would see. I pointed to my shirt, which Ooh. says roofclaim.com. Oh, that would be amazing. I'm gonna talk to BW because <gasps> yes, because Saturday, you know, roofclaim.com is a major sponsor of the LSU, of the LSU, LSU Tigers. Yes, oh my God, yes. And we got a big tailgate party scheduled <gasps> for what? this Can we come? for the Auburn game. Can I would come? love y'all to come. Okay. All right. And we might do a Facebook live on there. Oh, I would I would do it absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. So the, And uh, BW loves spending some of his money. Okay, good. Okay. I gotta meet him. Okay. Oh you will. Okay. So I've gotta tell y'all to um the new website is up. Of course I've said that before. We have merch, merch, merch. If there's something on there that you want or if there's something not on there that you want Shoot me an email and I can probably create it for you. Although the site I'm using for my merch does not have koozies. I know that's a huge disappointment. We'll get you koozies. There's also a lot of pictures on our new website of our co-hosts and just random things like Harold's Meet and random things we talk about. So all that's on the website. Go yeah, check just it out. FYI, I'm not, I'm not on there. You are on there. No, I'm not. Okay. <clears throat> this is a Colin story. is. No, he's not. Yes, oh, that calling. You're <laughs> on there, dude. If you want to give me a picture, a different picture, I will put you on there. But you're on there. Okay. You asked for this story. The person's name he told me he wanted me to talk about was Daniel Blank. And as you're listening to this, this is going to be a follow-up episode of Tasha's Daniel Blank story. So, Tasha told hers. I had no idea she was doing the research. She told me that story. I did my research on Daniel Blank, and I'm going to tell Stump the story. So, are you ready? <sighs> Big, heavy sigh. I'm... Yeah, I'm ready. We're going to talk a little bit about Louisiana Geography. It hits home, okay? Uh, okay. Do so, you know that? So, this is going to be emotional, maybe yes. bittersweet for you. It will. All right. So, first, I want to give the listeners a little bit of geography, which I don't typically do. But I think for this story, it's kind of important. I do, too. The Mississippi River in Louisiana divides several parishes. Y'all remember, we have parishes, not counties, for all good, those good people outside Louisiana. Good point. They have parishes that are kind of lumped together called the river parishes. And those are the parishes in between the New Orleans, in between New Orleans and Baton Rouge that span both banks of the Mississippi River. 
I was never good in geography, so if I say something wrong, tell Tammy, me. Tammy, you nailed that. Okay. So the, this area is also um, a part of a larger region called the Acadiana region. Correct. Traditionally, these parishes, these river parishes are considered to be St. Charles Parish, St. James Parish, and St. John the Baptist Parish. And sometimes Ascension Parish gets lumped in there with them. So, um, Ascension Parish is where I live and you live. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Can, well, I was going to say that's about all the geography I, I care to talk about. Okay. But I, if you need to add something. And look, I'm, I may not know this because I was born and bred here. Well, bred and born here. <laughs> Why did they say born and bred? I don't know. Because it's bred and born, ain't it? Well, I mean, I feel like you're born and then you eat bread. So no, maybe no, no. <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. I don't think, I really don't think that's what, I think be, you, you've been bred. And then you're born. And yeah. then you were raised. The only reason you're born. Is because somebody bred. Is because you bred. <laughs> somebody you've bred. You've been bred. <laughs> but anyway, the River Parish area. I thought was Ascension, St. James, maybe St. Charles, St. John the Baptist, but Assumption, oh, Assumption and Iberville. Okay. But I could be wrong. Trust me. No, believe me when I tell you, this is what I read and that, you know, you can't believe everything. This might have came from New York. It could could, have came from New York, right. And I wasn't in any position to argue the point. No, no, and I'm not. I'm not. But you could be right, dude. I'm just. Maybe, maybe somebody else knows, and they will let you know on Facebook. They will. And you know what? I didn't know. I didn't realize that Ascension was sometimes lumped in with the River Parishes. That makes me kind of feel cool. But I don't think Ascension borders. Absolutely, it does. It does. Okay, so then, then we're, there we go. Do you know how you get to Donaldsonville? Over Sunshine Bridge. Where's okay. that at? Ascension what is Parish. It, what, is the, what is the Sunshine Bridge cross? Over the Mississippi River. Don't, don't which quiz me. Be, which you. would be. <laughs> oh, now, hey, I got my first fuck you three minutes in, maybe five. Uh, more like 15. <laughs> Good Lord, this is going to last forever. <laughs> okay, so Daniel Joseph Blank oh my God. was born on June 28, 1962 in Paulina, Louisiana. He was one of eight kids. Paulina's in St. James Parish. Uh, I did say this earlier. I live in Ascension. I've lived here for 22 years. Stomp lives in Ascension. And I'm not going to say how many years he's For 57. Here. Okay. And this area, to me, has always been considered safe. Absolutely. To, to me. But when October 27th, 1996 rolled around, it was not considered safe. And let me tell you what started happening. Victor Rossi, who's, in, who's from Ascension Parish. Uh, what? I know him personally. I knew him personally. I'm sure you did. He was found dead by his daughter. He was lying on his couch, and it kind of looked like he was sleeping. You know, the the position that they found him in. But he had been beaten to death. They found the murder weapon while processing the crime scene, and it was a baseball bat. He was severely beaten with a bat. That's up close and personal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah, I got you. Gruesome. 
Victor Rossi was a mechanic in Ascension Parish and owned Rossi Auto Service, and that place is still there today. I, I pass it on on Highway Four Thirty One. Yep. Um, he was very well liked. He had a normal lifestyle. There wasn't any high risk, you know, drugs or anything like that. And really, once they found him, the authorities had no idea where to even start the investigation. <clears throat> Y'all. <laughs> Go ahead. This is going to hit home for me, okay? Tear in the beer. I know, I know some of these people involved in this. And I don't know if I'm going to choke up or not. I might not. Well, I hope, hopefully I won't, or hopefully I will. I don't know what no, to say. No, it's okay either way. But. Your it, does, emotion, it does hit home. Your emotion is your emotion. Nobody, don't let anybody deny you of that. Okay. So we're going to leave Victor Rossi for a second. And we're going to say five months later, March 19th, 1997, Barbara Bourgeois, St. James Parish. I think that was in Lutcher, if I'm not com- uh, I'm not I don't mistaken. have the city. I just have the parish. I think it was. She hadn't been seen. So a concerned family member called the sheriff's office. They went to her house and saw nothing out of the ordinary on the outside of the house, but they did make entry only to see Barbara lying on the floor. They immediately saw a bloody knife and a vacuum cleaner covered in blood. And look, this was not a fucking little Dyson. This was a 1950s. Heavy, you know, the, remember the big metal ones with the yeah, cloth bag? That's made of, that's made of heavy metal. Exactly. I Not want, the music we listen to. Right. She had one of those, I want to say it was Electra's or something. Anyway, I saw a picture of the back. One of those, like my grandma had, heavy duty, worked for a hundred years, had the, the cloth bag yeah, on the those, back. The ones that don't go bad. Exactly. <laughs> well, Barbara was severely beaten with the vacuum cleaner. Jeez. And it was apparent she had fought for her life. Barbara's daughter, Cindy, remembers that her mom was always very giving and always willing to help people. Everyone loved her. Also, Miss Barbara was a special ed teacher. She's a saint. She so had like, to teach this piece of shit. Who, who would do this to... This woman was a saint. Y'all. So basically, we have right now two different parishes... Two very well-liked people, not high-risk lifestyles, a little bit older, but not what I would consider old, but older. Y'all, and I'm not going to give this away, but the reasoning behind all of this fucking piece of shit's criminal activity, because they wasn't all murders, I know about, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it away, but I'm, I'm listening to it's all coming this, to it. and I know, I know, I know. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Balasone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch. A gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On The Big Cunty Couch. Mwah. Not even one month later, April 10th, 1997, Lillian Philippe 
Now we're back in Ascension Parish this and time. It's actually Philippi. Oh, Philippi. Sorry. Yes. Lillian Philippi, back in Ascension Parish, yep. was found bludgeoned to death. She was an elderly lady. She was in her home. That She was found in her home. All the phone lines in the house have been cut. Now, y'all, these are the landlines we're talking about here. Yeah, there's no mobiles. <laughs> no. The weapon, again, was a weapon of opportunity. Like the baseball bat and the vacuum cleaner, that was something that was there in the house. Well, for her, it was a trophy. It was a trophy from the house that the killer used to beat Miss Lillian to death. After that, the killer went through her safe and her purse and fled the scene. Are you okay? You knew, you knew Miss Lillian? No, yes. Okay. So at this point, believe it or not, because we have so many different parishes involved, the police are actually thinking maybe they have a connection, but they're not really sure. They don't really have anything to go on. Nobody, none of these victims had enemies. So there's not even a place for the police to really start other than the crime scene. But, of course, the community, the River Parishes, was giving them all kinds of pressure. One thing one thing I will say. <laughs> what? We got a great law enforcement um, community. Team. In team. Innocent. Yeah, team. Sheriff. And, and combined. in the Police. And we call it, the, we, we like to call it the Tri-Pash yeah. area. Okay. Ascension, St. James, and Livingston. Okay. And Assumption. Assumption. I'm sorry. But that we call it the tri parish area because that is our. Um, they all help each that's other. That's our They're judicial system. Yes. Is the tri parish. Our yeah. district attorney is in Over those all three, three parishes. parishes. Yes. Yes. Okay. One month after Miss Lillian, May 9th, nineteen ninety-seven. This is all happening over nineteen ninety-seven. We go into Saint John the Baptist Parish right now. Two more victims were discovered. Sam and Luella Akuri were found in their home among a gruesome scene. The murder weapon appeared to be a knife. Blood was everywhere. When I say everywhere, all over the whole entire house. The investigators spent three days just trying to find fingerprints in the house. Not even processing the rest of the house. Just fingerprints. Five days later. So you see how this is escalating. Let me ask you, do you have any validation on, because I think this is the one, that they came in through the roof? Or do you have anything on that? I don't remember that. Okay. I think I remember like a utility room, you know, like a laundry room in one of those. But I'm telling you, honestly... Stomp, I've told so many stories and read so many stories, I could be confusing. I know that. I know that. Okay. So, just keep in mind, we went from, like, here was somebody, then five months, then a month, and now we're, like, five days later. May 14th, 19... This dude had issues. Fuck. May 14th, 1997. We're still in St. John the Baptist Parish. I mean, it's only five days later. Victim number six was... Because I know he was from fucking... Paulina, but I don't know... What did oh I yeah, say that right. Was he yeah. was from Paulina. <clears throat> okay, you said that. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Say he was well, from St. James area. Parish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, but I just I remember he was from St. James Parish, and from good people. Well, this is by his, the way. Well, this is his stomping grounds. Yeah. All these places we're talking about. But he is from 
Good people. He was one of eight kids. Good people. So, May 14th, 1997, five days after Miss Lillian, victim number six, Joan Brock. She had been dragged out of her house onto her lawn, and she was practically decapitated. Similar to some of the other crimes, the phone lines were cut, and her safe was missing. Also, her car was missing. But at this crime scene, they couldn't find a murder weapon. You remember like a, a bat, a trophy, or a, a vacuum cleaner? At this one, they couldn't find a murder weapon. So all the investigators from the different parishes have to get together, and they start talking about this, and they start realizing they have something bigger on their hands than they initially thought. I am listening to you, I promise. Okay. <laughs> what are you drinking? I need to pour a drink. I'm working, okay? You can't multitask on a pod. Uh, Tammy, right. I have no time off, okay? Dude. Hey, what are you drinking tonight, Tammy? I'm drinking Crown Royale. Oh, something different, huh? <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking, 14? Yep, I'm drinking something different because, see, when it gets hot, I drink probably Ultra. Well, okay. now I drink Ultra. I used to drink Bud Light. Right. In my fatter days. But since we don't have video... You slim and trim now, boo. But anyway, yeah, I'm drinking 14 tonight. Because it's cool. It's so nice and oh, cool yeah. outside. But you know what? This three days of fall, that's that's going to change in a hot minute. <laughs> so all the investigators from the different parishes got together and they realized they really had something big on their hands. All these unsolved murders had similar MOs and they had similar looking crime scenes. By that, I mean very violent, very gruesome. Yeah, because we, we heard everything you said. Yeah. So they're worried about when this guy is going to strike again. Of course, they really don't have any leads at this point, but they're, they're trying to talk to anybody and everybody that they can talk to. They're even going out into their community and getting their informants, you know, like their CIs. Oh, yeah. To oh, try yeah. to get them <clears throat> to say they're running down every lead they had, but they're getting nowhere. So, July 7th, 1997, authorities were called to the Miet residence. Oh, my God. It's, or it's, should I say Miet? It, it's Miet, yes. This was the home yes. of Leonce and Joyce. Oh, Leonce. Leonce and, and Joyce. And Joyce Miet. This hits home, ladies and gentlemen. They were in St. John the Baptist Parish. Is that not right? No, we are in an Ascension Parish okay. in the city limits of Gonzales. Okay. They were attacked while they were sleeping in their home. And the, are these the, the people that own the Economy Brick in Gonzales? That is correct. Okay. So while after they were attacked. My next door neighbors. So tell me. Debbie. Leonce. Being Leonce, their his business is Economy Bricks. Mm-hmm. A great guy in Ascension Parish. Him and Miss Joyce had business with Economy Bricks for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. They were I don't probably, know. They were probably the only brick place in Gonzales forever. Oh, they are they the only still. brick place in Gonzales, in Ascension got, Parish. That's where I got my bricks. Yeah. They got this other place. I'm not even going to say it, but... No, don't give them time to... No, they don't deserve it. But Economy Bricks is... A very good, anyway, a good a good brick company. As I lo- I went to school with their kids, and you live near them. Yeah, I live near. like my house 
was about 10 foot from, from one of their warehouses. Oh, my God. And oh, was that the time that a guy was was naked? Yeah, I told, br- did I tell you about? Yes. Tell the listeners real quick okay. about the naked guy right. bricks. Okay, my house was like ten or twelve foot, whatever, whatever the legal limit in Gonzales was that you could have a building uh, next to a building. <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever the servitude was, that's where Leonce's building was. Well, across. The street from my house was his main office and brickyard. Brickyard, yeah. Well, one night, my ex-wife wakes me up and says, something's going on. I see lights. (laughs) So, I wake up and I go look out and I see like four or five cop cars in front of my house. Yeah. So, I go outside and in the 90s, I knew... All of the cops. Right. So, I say, hey, Cody, what's going on, man? He <laughs> said, man, they got a dude up on the on the top of Mr. Leonce's bricks. And he's saying he's going to kill himself. And he don't have no weapons. I say, shoot him. <laughs> Was he naked? He Was he the one naked? No. No, I don't. I, I just keep imagining him naked. I don't think naked. he was naked. No, I don't think he was naked. He was just... He I don't just, know. He was on some of that good shit. He was messed up. Okay. He was messed up. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So that's what happened. There. I love it. So that just proves, you know, to the listeners how close in proximity you were with the Let me give one Miettes. more. Let me give one more. Dubby. His name is Leonce Yeah. Dubby. Everybody called him Dubby. And because... The reason he was called Dubby was because he called everybody Dubby. Like, he didn't know nobody. <laughs> he, he didn't, didn't have nobody. to learn nobody's name. So he didn't call him Podna. He called him Dubby. He called him Dubby. That's <laughs> correct. So anyway, so me and Mr. Leonce, I like to cook a jambalaya. Mm-hmm. Well, he being in the brick business, one of his big um, brick salesmen that sold him bricks was from... Mississippi, and he was a Mississippi State fan. So we, I would go to Mississippi State with them. We'd go spend the weekend, and y'all tailgate, and and we tailgate, and I'd cook jambalaya, and vice versa. The next year they'd come to LSU, right? And we'd always kick their ass. (laughs) Well. Just saying. Oh, and just like we just kept. Good, oh, thank God. you. Oh, God, this ain't going to anyway, turn into a sports podcast. Anyway, <laughs> I love this man and his wife, Miss Joyce. And I I mean, Don't say anything kids. else about them because I haven't told the listeners what happened to oh, them. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to okay. say that. It just, it just hits home because we were very close friends. And when it happened, it, it hurt hard. Yeah. You know, that's all. And like um, I said, this... This has always been a safe community, and back then... And it still is, just yes, FYI. Yes, I agree, but back then it was probably even like, oh, my oh God. nobody ever got Yeah, murdered. nobody, no, yeah. no. You left your doors unlocked all the time. Hell yeah. Okay, so like I said, they were sleeping when they were attacked. So the Daniel got them up, and he required them to open the safe. Just FYI, I know it's coming, but I'm going to say, Dubby was one... Hell of a man. Okay. 
So I've heard different stories. I heard that Daniel made Miss Joyce open the safe. I've heard that Mr. Dubby had to open the safe. I'm inclined to go with he was making Miss Joyce open the safe. And in the meantime, Dubby went into the bathroom. Because <clears throat> in Louisiana, yes, you do keep a gun in the bathroom. And got his gun. And came out to shoot Daniel. But the gun went click. Mm. Fuck. So. I think everybody... That fucker would be dead right now. So... Well, I think he is dead right now. Hold on. Oops, I'm sorry. So, at some point during all this confusion, and and like I said, this is very unclear exactly what happened and when, but I believe Daniel kind of ran away when he saw him with the gun, even though the gun didn't go off. Now, it's dark in the house. It's nighttime. They were sleeping. Daniel came across another gun in their house. They probably had a gun cabinet because everybody fucking has a gun cabinet in Louisiana. So he comes back. One of them gets the safe open. He shoots Leonce in the face. Mm -mm. In the fucking face. He shot Miss Joyce in the face. Okay, he shot her first. I had that he shot them both in the face. Do you know? For real? Since you were there? no, I was not there. Well, you were you were there at the time. I'm like you were uh, living yeah. it. I don't I don't think Dubby got shot in the face. Okay, he so, got shot in the stomach. I okay, think. so they both get shot. Yes, Daniel thinks they're dead. Right, he's got a safe. Left them for dead. He's got a safe open. He takes the money. And they had money in the safe. By the oh, way, oh my God, seventy thousand fucking dollars in the safe. So, guess what? Leonce and Joyce live. Yeah. Fuck you, Daniel Blaine. Live. So now the authorities have two witnesses that can describe this asshole. Okay. Of course, they're in the hospital. They're not. They are not in good shape. No. So once they're stable, but still in the hospital, the police brought in a sketch artist. And Mr. and Mrs. Miette were able to make a composite sketch of the killer. So, at that point, Ascension Parish authorities got the sketch out to the media. Tips started coming in. Tammy, I, what? Tell me if there's something I'm missing. Wanna, no, I just want to say okay, this right boo, now because I'm thinking. Them. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking about their kids who I love and adore. I don't want them to think. That we're just brushing over bad this. No. this. No. because no. I love Michelle. I love Dean. I love... No, no, Rhonda, no. I love all of them. I love all of them. Stump, I think that all of our stories... And I think this is... Have, I wouldn't do this if I thought it was derogatory. Thank okay? you. I hope I didn't make it sound no, that way. No, no, you have not. Because I don't think you have. I think we always try to be respectful of the right, victims and the right, families. Absolutely. But the fucking asshole... Yeah. Criminals. He should have died a long time ago. I just wish Mr. Leonce is gone... Was either Would loaded or jammed. jammed or whatever happened to it, but the click, the click made the difference. Yeah. So they the get fucker the fucker would be dead right now. Yeah. They get the sketch out. Tips come in. People are calling. It looks like my grandma. It looks like my papa. <laughs> I mean, like you know, some crazy shit comes yeah, through. Right, right, right. I mean, but the cops got to look at the good and the bad. They got to investigate every single one. But everything's a dead end. 
So at this point, they go to the FBI. Two officers, local officers, went to Quantico with all the cases and all the details to talk to the FBI. I probably know the officers that went. But you I don't know who do. they are. But yeah. And I'm and I don't know that I wrote right. their names down. No, it's good. This, it's good. But the FBI made a profile and according to that the killer was probably from one of the parishes. Duh. I feel like that's just a no brainer. And the FBI suggested that people should be on the lookout for someone who all of a sudden had a windfall of money. Um and because of the two witnesses they knew he was a white male. So also, I don't think I told you about Ms. Joan. He Remember, he took her safe. She right. had like $36,000. So at this point, he's got well over $100,000 in cash, not to mention everybody else's whatever they had in their pocket, you know, in their purse. Y'all, when y'all find out what this piece of shit was doing, you're going to say you wish you to fucking, uh, you, you're going to say you wish Leonce's gun would not have jammed. Mm-hmm. So... When the two investigators get back from Quantico, they go to the media and they're, you know, they're like, here's what FBI said, lives in the river parishes, all of a sudden got a windfall of money, he's a white male, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, everybody and their mama started again (laughs) calling in tips. Hey, that's what us coon asses do, okay? I mean... We're trying to help. I can just tell you, I'm not observant enough to probably ever call in a tip. So if you're going to commit a crime, I'm probably the person that you want to commit it in front of. Because I'll just be like, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know who eyes. did it. <laughs> so get this. One of the tips that was called in was a guy that worked at a casino. And you huh. know, casino can be a couple things in Louisiana. There we go. It can literally be a truck stop. Right. It can be... On the water, uh, like a old-fashioned paddle boat, you know, uh, is that right? But not paddle boat. Like, yeah, paddle, paddle wheel boat. boat. That, yeah. No, that's it. A paddle boat. You're right. So that's exactly. So right. this casino is basically like a truck stop casino, and this guy calls in, and he, <laughs> which, which he could win five hundred dollars at a time at the most. Yes, I mean the ones on the river can be you know a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, that's or like almost almost like a casino. A regular one, yeah. So, this guy calls in as a worker from the casino, and he says, hey, there's this guy that never really had much money to gamble with, but all of a sudden, he's coming in, and he's gambling large amounts of money, and he said, I also noticed that he started wearing jewelry, and he used to drive to the casino in a pickup truck with a large boom in the back. We'll get to that in a second. (laughs) And all of a sudden, now he's rolling in with a brand new motorcycle. So one of the te- detectives looks at this tip, and he says, "I know a guy locally that has a truck with a boom on the back." Because he's been he's been in trouble before. <laughs> so, y'all, fuck uh, you, Daniel Blank. The boom is like if you were going to lift an engine out of a car. That's what this is used for. That's according to what I saw. Stump of you yeah, something it's not, different. Yeah, no, no. It's not a boom like a boom box. No, no, no. It's a lift. Yeah, a lift. It's a lift. To li- like to lift a motor out of a vehicle yeah. or something like that. Something four or five hundred pounds. Right. So basically. Or if you're having a couchon delay and you have a really big pig, you, you can, can lift a hog. You can up. lift a hog and swing it over the fire and take it off the fire. Okay, so this one cop or sheriff or dick, I don't, anyway, he goes, uh, I know a guy locally that drives a truck with this lift kind of thing in the back. So 
He says his name is Daniel Blank. So, so okay. Okay. I'm so sorry, but no. Where did the boom come from? The casino worker guy. Oh, right, right, right. He he's used like, to go there. He used to come and spend 50 bucks. Now he's okay. here with like 2000 He yeah. used to not wear jewelry. Now he's wearing jewelry. He okay. used to drive a truck with got a you. lift. Right. Now, he now got, I remember. Now he got a badass Suzuki motorcycle. So Daniel Blank is a local mechanic. Guess who he used to work for? Remember our very first victim, Victor Rossi? Victor Rossi. Yeah, he worked for him. I'm going to leave that alone. Go ahead. So the authorities are like, okay. I don't want to jump. Well, the authorities are like, okay, we got one connection on the first murder. And we have a casino worker telling us this stuff. Let's look at his financial stuff. So somehow they do, you know. Financials. They fucking pull your bank records without you knowing. As well they should be able to do. They can do all of that shit. But guess what else they can do? They can also go to the casino because anytime they got you cameras. win, but anytime you win, that's got to go on a report, bruh. Yeah, if like, you win big. Yeah, like you, I've never done like I've never had to report nothing because I if I win, I win a hundred two. Well, if I, I win, have won four or five hundred dollars before, never had to report it. If I win, when I go up to that little machine that you have to put the ticket in now, because God forbid <laughs> we actually put quarters in machines now. <laughs> I, the machine doesn't even, I mean, like, it's like 25 cents. It doesn't even know how to spit my payout out to me because it's like, uh, no, you, no. Anyway, yeah. When you win, yeah. yeah. When you win the mouse, we win. You don't get paid. So they check the financial background shit on him, and they see that he's spending way more money than he should be making as an auto mechanic. Yeah, because he is a fucking idiot. Yes. So they went to his last known address, but guess what? He moved. And a family member told them that, oh, hey, Daniel just moved. As a matter of fact, it was right around the time the Miettes were shot. That's when he moved. <laughs> a Those family the, member said that? One of Daniel Blank's family members said, right. oh, yeah, it was right around the time that the Miettes were shot that he moved away. And uh, those are the when ones the that windfall, lived. That's when the windfall came in. Yeah. So, okay. Now shit's really looking suspicious as fuck. Oh, my God. I, I wish I could have been the one to strangle him. Oh, my God. So, the detectives all go back to the office. Because, remember, he's at a family member's house saying, where is Daniel Blank? Where is Daniel Blank? By the time they get their fucking asses back to the office, Daniel Blank is calling them at the office. I heard y'all were looking for me. They're like, yeah. Um, hit the record <laughs> you won, button. You, you, you've won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. They hit the record button. Yeah, we're just, we're looking at some homicides and your name came up and blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, um, I'm in Texas. And they're like, hey, can you come up next weekend? Like, we need to ask you some questions. He's like, sure, I'll be there. Um, while, while they're talking, the guy on the, the police officer asks him, hey, have you come into any money lately? And he's like, I went around $50,000 at the casino. Blah, blah, blah. They're going back and forth. Here we go. Long story short, bitch didn't show up next weekend like he said he was to talk to the popo. Obviously, right? Of course not. Okay, so... I mean, he knows he's lying. Nobody else is sure he's lying. Right. But he knows he's lying. I feel like at this point he's going, you need, you think you got me, bitch? Come get me. So, this is what they did. Hey, and just FYI, I think my drink's going to make it. Oh, Good. 
They ramped up the background checks on him, and they soon discovered they could link him. Oh, my God. I'm a little buzzy. Linked him? They could link him. To <laughs> say every, link. Can you say link? They can link him to okay, every good. single victim. Did you really? know that? Yep. Yeah. Worked, I, 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 he, I hate right, to yes. say this. He worked for Victor Rossi. We already said that. Remember Miss Joan, I told you he... Yes. He had worked for her husband... Um, Miss Lillian. Miss Lillian Philippi. He bought, he bought auto Philippe. Philippi. He bought Thank auto you, parts. Ben. Thank you, my love. He bought auto parts from her. Yes. It goes on and on. So they're starting to really connect the dots here, and they're like, "This dude's got to be all right." So they talk to the Texas authorities. They're like, "Hey, we're coming over. Put us a room aside in the courthouse because it's a little town that he's in." So the courthouse is like the fucking police station, the post right. office, There's, the courthouse. There is no interrogation room, right? right? They're like, put us a little room aside because we're going to go pick him up and bring him in for questioning. So, And you know, the, the I don't know how he's traced to Leonce and Miss Joyce. That part, I don't know. I, I don't either. But at I some, really don't. But as, I, but as it, much as I know about this, like, I don't know everything because I don't want to know everything. But I don't know how he's tied to Miss Joyce and Miss Leonce. Well, here's the thing. They tied him to everyone. And <clears> it's, he wasn't going to go to somebody's house that he didn't know already had a fuck oh, ton of money. Obviously. Yeah. So he knew something about Mr. Leonce and Miss Joyce? Yes. and Might have been through hearsay? Well, I might also go back and research just that point for you and let you know. A sweetheart. Okay. So they, they, get, they go to his house... They got to be careful. They don't really have any kind of like mega hard proof here. So they got to do kind of kick gloves when they're interviewing him. They don't want him to lawyer up, right? So here's how it went down. November 14th, 1997. And here's the detective's name. Detective Email, what? And Tony. Oh. These are the yeah. last names. Yeah. Email. E- email. Email. H-I-M-E-L. H-I-M-E-L. Email. Email. Detectives email and Tony, T-O-N-E-Y. Oh, and Detective Tony, yes. yes. Okay, yes. Email and Tony. They were both okay. from Louisiana. I thought you were saying one name, email no, no, no. and Tony. No. Two. But yes, okay. Their yeah, last de- names. Detective Tony is a huge factor in all this. Yes. Yes. They're, they are the ones that are going to interview him, okay? Between the two of them, they knew pretty much all the cases, Email. Just FYI, what? Detective Tony's from Ascension Parish. Okay. Well, from what I saw, Todd email took the lead on the interviewing. That doesn't mean that Detective Tony wasn't involved. He was right well, he there. He was huge, I promise. Yes. So he, did, I feel like they play good cop, bad cop. Probably so. That's what they do, I think. So email was trying They know to, what the fuck they're doing, okay? Absolutely. Email was trying to build a rapport with Daniel. Tony was probably sitting back waiting to be bad cop. So, email took the lead on the questions, and he started trying to build a rapport with him, and they just like, general questions. Where did you grow up? Where did you live? You know, Paulina, tell me about your mom and them, and all that your kind of Your mom and them. And the mom and them. Hey, then they started talking about past employers. Most of his past employers were car repair places. Then they started talking about money. I see you bought a home for $20,000 over here in Texas. Cash. 
$20,000? It was a trailer. A home? Hey, I'm not mad at a trailer, but yeah. But wait, let me finish this because I do have a funny interjection. And we see you bought a pool for $4,000. Okay, so look. <laughs> listen to me. $20,000 trailer. The pool was an above ground pool. It was $4,000. But here's the thing. If you have a $20,000 house, don't you think you need like a one of those two $300 pools from Walmart? Those Intex pools? Like, I'm not trying to be judgy, but fuck. So they can see that. Can I just go with fuck him? <laughs> yes. Okay, thanks. Um... Detectives also tell him, we know you bought a Ford Festiva. I'm just saying Ford Festiva because I really don't remember what the fuck kind of car it was. Oh, so Ford Festiva is not nowhere. But cash. It's probably used. He bought it for cash. Whatever yeah. he was driving, he bought for cash. House for cash. Pool for cash. Right. Car for cash. Then Daniel tells them he's been playing the, the poker machines. <laughs> he said he wins two to $3,000 every time he goes in the casino. Fuck you. Yeah, no, you don't. Just FYI, everybody listening knows better than that. Mm-hmm. Well, at least the ones that may have put money in a poker machine before. Fuck if that. you have never put money in a poker Fuck machine, you shit. don't know. Trust me, he's lying. Yeah, trust me, lying motherfucker. So the the um the police bring up the fact that like, hey dude, you've had according to casino reports, you've had a fifty thousand dollar loss. Like, we're tracking your wins and losses. You've had a fucking that's, loss. That's that's really, that's exciting. Right? So they ask him, finally, after beating around the bush, do you legitimately know why we're here, why we're questioning you? Let me fix this, Mike. He's like, we're not coming over here to talk to you about gambling problems. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so Detective Emal says, we're here because people died. And your name came up. And he and Daniel says, I heard stories about it, but I really don't know anything about the murders. And I don't have, you know, I, I, I know a couple of those people, but I don't have anything to say about it. And then they ask him if he knows about some other murders that happened. These other people. He kind of flips a switch at that point and he sits back. And I saw the interrogation online. Oh, really? Like yeah. in person? Yes. You can really? see it. Awesome. And he kind of gets like body language, defensive, folding the arms, sits back in the chair. He's like, hold up. Y'all don't think I have anything to do with this bullshit, do you? That's what he said. So now he's getting defensive. And they don't want him to lawyer up at this point. Because he could. He they're, try, they're trying to keep him yeah. mild-mannered. Yes. Yes. They had pre-planned to have a polygraphist, a polygraph guy. Okay, and when you said polygraphist, I had to think a little bit, you're, but right before you said polygraph of, guy. You're thinking of polygraph. Shut up. Okay. Don't why would you why would you undermine me? You do it enough. Because I know what you're thinking. Okay. Right. Okay, so they had an FBI polygraphist next door and they're like, Hey Which man Which is a polygraph guy. Yeah. They're like, Hey man, if you didn't do this, would you take a polygraph? It'll prove you're innocent. Just come next door. And we can get this done yeah, quick. Just be done just with be it. Like, just be done with be it, done you with fuck it. face fucker. He was like, sure, I got. I have nothing to hide. I'll go do it. So, I don't know if you know this, but when you take a polygraph, they don't just test you once. They test you multiple times. Oh. This thank dude, God. Thank God I have no idea. They, I didn't either. <laughs> he was tested three times, and he epically fucking failed all three times. 
So now the, the cops feel pretty certain. Now this they is got their man. This is not. You can't use this in court. But at least they know they're on the right track. Okay. They confront Daniel Blank with the test results, but they had to be nice. They said, I want him lawyering up. They started off talking about his mom, who had died not too long ago. So they're playing to his sympathy. And he started crying. And the detective email was like, man, Daniel, I want you to close your eyes. Your mom meant a lot, to, a lot to you, didn't she? She was a good woman. She took care of you and all your brothers and sisters. How would she feel about this? Good How cop she, job. Yes. So he said, you know what? She would still love you. Even if you messed up, your mom would still love you. And Daniel kept becoming more and more emotional. And he dropped his head. Boy, they knew they was close, right? They knew they was close. They had him. They had that motherfucker. He said, we, we know you want to unburden yourself. And then Daniel started swaying. And I'm telling you, you can see all this online. And I swear to God, it looks like at some point he's literally going to faint. Like he's literally going to faint, Daniel Blank. And the investigator grabs him. He's like, are you okay? And Daniel grabs the table and he looks like he's going to vomit or faint. And he's having chest pains. He tells the detective, I'm having chest pains. So... He takes Daniel's hand. He tries to keep his trust. Tries to keep him going toward the confession. Confession. Then finally Daniel says, It's been like this ever since my mom died. They asked him about Miss Brock first. Because he had worked for her husband. You, mm. didn't, you didn't mean to kill Miss Brock, did you? You didn't mean to kill her? After a few minutes, he goes, No. They go on through the interview and he starts admitting to killing the Miettes. Wait, no, he didn't kill him shooting, yet. Well, he probably thought he did at that point. Oh, right, right, right. He admits to Victor Rossi, Lillian Philippi. He's crying at this point. He goes on to admit to the Akuri family. He gives all the details of how he got in all the houses and how he killed them. What weapons he used, everything he did, and none of this stuff had been released in right. the media. Nobody knows nothing about this. That's right. So there's one person left, Barbara Bourgeois. Remember the teacher's age? She lived alone. Yep. Daniel says he has nothing to do with that murder. They continue to press him, and finally he admits to killing Barbara Bourgeois. They were too. all the same. Yeah. Of course, at that point, they arrest him, and it's November 14, 1997. He's about 35 years old around this time. Yep. They take Daniel Blank from Texas back to Louisiana, and I thought this was kind of cool. When they hit the Texas-Louisiana line stomp, all the, there was all these Louisiana state troopers, police, deputies at the state line ready to escort them back. Really? That gave me chills. I don't, I, I don't remember that. Yes. And like... Yeah. Like a fuck I kind of feel like I'm, I'm pretty well versed. But of course, you know, I don't know nothing but what, what the, I you hear. See what what, what you I see hear. Right. Yeah. And of course, I'm not going to my friend's family of course. and ask nothing. Of course. You know. Now, I will say that the Miettes, good friends of mine, yes, ate at my restaurant so much 
so much. Um, I mean, just even after Miss Joyce, it's got shot. That's what I wanted to ask they you. They would come eat. That's what I wanted to ask you. I know they got shot. How were they when they actually survived? Uh, were healed and came back out to their home? Did they go back to their home? Dubby, Dubby healed. I mean, they both they both healed and went back to their home. But Absolutely, she was, she was disfigured in her face. Exactly. I mean, oh my God, it hurts your heart. And y'all, I mean, such good people. Oh my God, pillars of the community. Okay. When I say that, I mean that. And and Miss Joyce was an angel, simply for being Dubby's wife. Yeah. And then she has to go through all this. So, <sighs> they get him back. I'm not going to drag out the trial. Yeah, let's... He... He was found guilty. Uh, he was sentenced to death. Of course, you know when you're sentenced to death, you get a million appeals. And somewhere along there, uh, he was actually scheduled in March of 2016... To be executed, but right before Wait, that... why he didn't get executed? Right before that, in February of 2016, the Louisiana Supreme Court granted him a stay of execution. And I believe at that point, his sentence got commuted to life. And as far as I could tell, he is still alive and he is serving time at the farm, Angola Penitentiary. But I'm not mad. That he's not dead because I feel like you're going to suffer way the fuck more if you're exactly. in jail. I don't. I don't want your your punishment. I don't want your punishment to be death. Right. Because that's the easy way. Right. Of dealing with your right recklessness. Now you get to get your salad toss with grape jelly, and you yeah, get to get come on people. You get to God. work. On, you get to work on the farm now. I mean, I'm obviously. <laughs> I mean, they can have cell phones to go and no. make people murder them. Yes, so I know, that was another episode, y'all. Let y'all need them to go back. let them listen to podcasts, and you guys listening to this podcast, y'all go do to Daniel Blank what he deserves. Yes, go give please it to him because all of his victims were elderly and right. nice people. Y'all do some. And I uh, say I don't. I don't. Oh, when man. we say elderly, we don't mean weak. Because oh, no, no, no. My good friend Dubby had his ass. He beat the shit out of him after he got shot. Yeah. After he got shot. But anyway. Okay, so I do Ooh, have to give a that's little. That's a story that hit home, Tammy. I do have to give my credits. Please do. Serial killer Daniel Blank documentary on YouTube and murder and Wikipedia. Here's a picture of the motherfucker, which I will post oh, online. I know times. you have. And Stump, that was a story that you requested. And I hope I did it at least a little bit of justice. You did great, Tammy, like you always do. <sighs> Grits with a side of murder. Mm. I, I don't... That one's heavy on my heart. Nope. I, yeah. I usually... Um, Try well, to make something funny at the end, but I I got yeah, nothing. Yeah, let's let's just let's just leave that alone. Let's just and say we love y'all. Yeah, and let's, let's, just, let's the, just leave it for the River Parish area. Yeah, we are some good people, and we will always conquer. That's right. We will always persevere. All right, we love y'all. Bye.